Welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Hello and welcome back to Debating Metal. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my illustrious co-host, Chris K. This week, we're bringing you episode 33, or as I like to call it, episode 33 and a third. This week, we're going head-to-head with Scorpions, Love Drive versus Blackout. It's two of the German group's most popular albums, and we're going to break them down to see which one we think is better. Along with our debate, Kenneth has more rusty metal, and I've got a new freshly forged pick for you. We're also picking the best of the best with this week's Big Four Scorpion songs. So be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear just which songs made the list. If you missed last week, we picked our Big Four Iron Maiden songs. So make sure to click subscribe and download the episode to check that out. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Debating Metal and leave a comment about your Big Four every week. Okay, so let's review episode 32 before we begin. Last week was Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind versus Power Slave. To find out what we had to say about these classics, download or stream the episode on all the major podcast platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and breaking news, we're now on Amazon Music. So click subscribe or follow, and you'll get our newest episode on your computer or mobile device every Friday. And as always, rate us or leave a review. Yeah, we definitely want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics. So if you agree with us or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And now it's time for Rusty Metal. Kenneth, what's your pick this week? Okay, this week, Rusty Metal is a series of compilations. I am choosing the Metal Massacre series as my Rusty Metal pick of the week. Um, So let's go over this real quick. In the 1980s, independent record companies were all the rage. So companies like Combat, Megaforce, Metal Blade, Enigma, Noise in Europe, and Bronze Records in England all started in the 1980s, with some in some variant form still around today. In today's world, though, labels like Frontiers, Century Media, Nuclear Blast and Roadrunner remain strong independent labels as they've been able to transform and reinvent themselves to remain successful and relevant in the current landscape. Metal Massacre was started by Brian Slagle as a way for his favorite local bands in Los Angeles to get exposure. So what he ended up doing was lining up several local acts and he got them to send him tapes so he can compile this compilation album. And he named his record company Metal Blade. And so... Metal Massacre was the first release on Metal Blade Records, and Lars asked Brian if he could bring him if he brought him a tape, would he put the the band on that on that first album? And Brian said yes, but they were only weeks away from pressing, and Lars did not have a, a band or an album or a song. <laughs> and eventually, okay. <laughs> yeah, basically Lars put this together as fast as he possibly could. I mean, he knew James at the time. And they were friends. I don't know if they were still jamming yet at the, or started jamming yet, but basically at this point they began to. 
so the the song hit the lights was created and metallica was born they had they did not have ron mcgovney on bass at the time so what ended up happening i believe james played bass on the first first demo that they ever recorded and then they brought the song to a guitar player named lloyd grant and had him do a guitar solo at the same time, they had met up with Dave Mustaine and had him do another solo on the record, on the song. So those two appear on the first initial pressing of Metal Massacre in the Hit the Lights version. Later pressings would would remove Lloyd Grant and it became the um, the same version that's on No Life to Leather. So that's pretty cool how that all came together. So over the years, a lot of famous bands that you and I know ended up being on this, on Metal Blade's Metal Massacre series. Let me uh, go over a few names real quick. Armored Saint, Slayer, Lizzie Borden, Hellhammer, Dark Angel, Flotsam and Jetsam, Sacred Reich, Fate's Warning, and Metal Church. All of those bands appeared in the Metal Massacre series. Also, a band, uh, Steeler, which was Ingve Malmsteen's first band uh, with Ron Keel on vocals. They appeared on the first pressing of Metal Massacre, but was removed because they had gotten signed and released their first album, so they took the song off. Rat also had a song from their EP that that came out a couple years later, um, was originally on Metal Massacre, removed. So it was pretty cool to see all these bands that were on there. And there was also one particular person, band, that showed up named Trauma. Well, I believe they were on Metal Massacre 3 or 4. And they had a little-known bass player at the time named Cliff Burton. We all know where he ended up. So that is, a, that is a pretty cool thing. I think anybody who's out there who's into metal knows about the Metal Massacre series. So if I were you, I would pick up a couple, see you know, how some of these bands sounded when they first started, if you didn't already know. You know, they're actually the last release was I think 2016. I mean, Am- Amon Amarth was one of the bands that that have been on the Metal Massacre series, so that that tells you something. How, how like how available are some of the older versions though at this point? At one point, they were all on CD. I think I have seven of the first ten on CD, and there was like a one that was a compilation between like eight and nine together. I don't know how available they currently are. I believe the ones that were done recently, like the, the last one in 2016 and, and the couple in the 2000s, are still available. I don't know about the, the 80s ones. Oh, okay. I'm sure you can well, find I, it somewhere in some used record stores, UCD shop. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm familiar with them myself. Um, I think when I first started getting into metal, uh, there was... I mean, especially Metallica, obviously, that was always kind of the gateway into a lot of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with these as well. And like he said, I mean, if if you're not, they're definitely worth checking out. Very cool stuff. There's a lot of bands that, even if you're a fan of maybe one or two bands that are on this, like, you'll, you'll get the introduction to others. Like, I remember Bolt Thrower was on one of them, which, uh, it was, that's a band that I'm not super like into but i they have some really cool tracks but i i became a fan of them because all of their stuff is related to a game called warhammer like a tabletop game and uh i thought that was really cool that they that they had you know a theme like that 
So there, I, I know there's a lot of other bands that are on here that it may be kind of a gateway into finding them, which is always cool. Yep, very cool. All right, so for my uh, Freshly Forged for this week is a band that I'm not really familiar with, but they've been around for quite a long time, apparently, uh, and that's Heathen. Uh, they just released a new album. band's been around since 1984. They took a hiatus uh, in the mid-'90s, and they came back in 2009. I haven't heard any of their old albums yet, so I'm, I'm really not that familiar with them. But this week, when I was checking out new music, I found their new album, uh, Empire of the Blind. And it's a pretty dang good thrash album. Uh, first few tracks, uh, This Rotting Sphere and The Blight, really got me into it. And as I was listening along, I just really enjoyed it. There's a lot of diversity in the tracks as it goes. And uh, I was very surprised to find something like this from a band that's been around for a long time that I really just wasn't familiar with. Just, I mean, really surprising to me. Um, David White's vocals are really good. The guitar work is great. I I was very surprised because it, it is a thrash album per se, but it's got some great melodic elements. And I I definitely say check this out. Very surprising. And it's it came out uh, June twenty sixth, so so relatively still new, a few months old, um, but awesome stuff here. Uh, I'm familiar with them to some degree. I've heard the name for years. Growing up in the eighties, I definitely heard the name and never got into them. Um, but I will definitely check out this album and uh, give it a listen for sure. All right. Well, I guess that leads us to our topic of the week this week, which would be the debate between one of my favorite bands, Scorpions, Love Drive versus Blackout. Yes. These two albums are classic Scorpions albums. Um, they were released in 1979 and 1982, respectively. Um, so that would be Love Drive came out in 79 and, and Blackout came out in 82. They are, without a doubt, pretty awesome albums, for especially for you know in terms of Scorpions, but just in general, they're very good albums. So we're going to break them down song by song, and uh, we'll see at the end which one we like more. For sure. Now, one reason we picked these, even though there is an album in between the two, um, the reason we picked these two albums is because these are two of their biggest albums. And they they are kind of synonymous when with this band had many uh, eras per se I guess and and this is kind of a transition with Love Drive between uh, what was happening before they they had Uli John Roth in the band who does not appear in this one but Michael Schenker appears on the album as well as Matthias and then by the time you get into Blackout that's kind of the time when they're really got their legs underneath them with that version of the band so you've got a mix of the old with with michael shanker returning to the album with love drive and then you've got the what would be considered the classic lineup of of the band with blackout so two very influential time periods and two albums that are really considered some of the best of the band definitely Love Drive, as I mentioned, came out in 1979 uh, on Mercury Records in the United States and Harvest in Europe. It was produced by Dieter Dirks. Uh, and Dieter, if I'm not mistaken, uh, also did uh, some Accept albums. So he's a big German producer. 
Uh, it was recorded at Dirk Studios in, I don't even know how to say it, Stalmum, West Germany. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's get into the songs here. The first song on Love Drive is Loving You Sunday Morning. What? Yeah, this is this is a Michael Shanker lead or led song. He is so so what Michael Shanker brings to the band is his distinct playing, his tone. And you can if you really focus on it, even though Matthias matches what he does to a degree on here, you can really decipher there's two parts to this album. This is this is the 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 track that really sets the vibe, sets the stage for what's going to be going through the rest of the album. It's got a really uh, nice pace to it. It doesn't have too many slow motion or slow moments in between. Even though there are slow songs, they still fit the vibe of the album. But what what's happening here? You can definitely hear Michael's tone in in this song, and it's great. I I really love the way this album starts. It's it's a bit slower than what I would think. I almost think another piece of meat would would maybe be a better track, which is the the following song to start it because I usually like a fast, you know, hard-hitting track to start with. But when it, when you look in the scope of the full album, I think this is a really good track to start with. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting um to me. I was like, you know, a mid-tempo song, it's not fast it's not slow it, it's definitely mid-tempo um there's some really cool unique aspects to this song it definitely to me has a very 70s vibe to it you know they're just just the the, the way that the, not not the way it's produced but just the, the songwriting structure of it itself is is very 70s to me um as you mentioned before it's one of five michael shanker tracks out of the eight uh that are on this album that he played lead guitar on. He wrote a, f- a few of the songs. And interestingly enough, um, it wasn't until years later, but the original pressing or the original, I guess you want to say, original release. So for several years, it was not known that Michael played on the album. Well, it was known that he played on the album because he's thanked on the back of the album, but it was not known that he actually wrote some of the songs. Um, mm-hmm. All the yep. songs were shown to be listed as being written by Michael, uh, excuse me, Rudy Schenker and uh, Klaus Meine and Herman Rarebell. But years later, I believe he sued his brother and sued the Scorpions and said, hey, you know, these were my songs. So they finally gave him credit and blah, blah, blah. So it's 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 cool. And he's still kind of bitter about everything. Michael Schenker really holds a grudge, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. But anyway, the song itself, very cool. Like I said, 70s vibe. It's typical Scorpions. It's it's a, a relationship song, you know, guy and a girl, and this guy's you know trying to keep his girlfriend from breaking up with him and stuff, you know. So it's that typical s- song that 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 uh, the Scorpions would write over their the course of their entire career. Um, and and it's it's pretty cool that that seventies vibe that I was talking about is really really prevalent during the bridge where there's no words, but Klaus is kind of. You know, like bop bopping. You know, he's doing this little boppity bop 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 thing in the in the that's carrying the bridge, and then going into the chorus or into the verse. So it's kind of really weird that way, but it's a pretty cool song. I mean, it's it's in fact, Stone Temple Pilots stole something from this song. There's that that little kind of. I don't know. I don't even want to say out of tune chord that they hit every so often, but it's just I guess 
not necessarily out of tune, but off key chord that they, that they hit. And Stone Temple Pilots ended the song in the same exact way that they and that they used that chord in this song. So it's pretty cool. I don't remember exactly what STP song it is, but they do something very similar when they end the song hmm. uh, that way. Cool. So anyhow, well, one one thing you mentioned was it's kind of a stereotypical uh, theme to what the the lyrics, and that's that's kind of uh, a Herman Rarebell thing where he was he was actually writing a lot of the lyrics in the early years of the band because he was he was the one who knew English. So <laughs> so he typically ended up writing songs about, you know, romance and and uh, you know, sleeping with women and, you know, things that were going on in his life because that's he was living a rock and roll lifestyle. Yep. And uh, I mean that's just what it was at the time. So a lot of their themes of their their lyrics just ended up being about that that kind of thing. And yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot, quite often. <laughs> All um, right, and I mean that shows in the next track, which is another piece of meat. It, it's an awesome track. I I love this one. Um, it's a fast paced rocker. Uh, this is another one that uh, Michael was on guitar, and uh, this is a Her- Herman Rarebell written song. So you kind of know what you're getting out of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it it's really. You can't even call it double entendre. It's it's flat out. You are a piece of meat. That's what the girl in the song calls the the boy that she's chasing, and mm-hmm. then in turn he flips it around and you know she they go out to some sort of um, I don't know if it was martial arts or boxing or some sort of violent event you know sporting event, and he flipped it around and says you know what now you're my piece of meat basically. So it's it's a really strange song but it's just blatant as blatant can be <laughs> and uh it's got a really cool riff i like the riff that the, that, that the song is based on and definitely michael you can always tell michael's playing like you said it's a it's um his tone but it's also the way he he plays his leads it, there's just something that you know as soon as he's playing those leads that's a michael shanker lead yeah he, i mean he has a distinct style and Matthias doesn't play the same way and nor should he because he's a different musician and, and what he brought to the table with the band later on is you know it's remarkable because those the, a lot of that stuff is what the band is most known for I mean who doesn't know Rocky like a hurricane exactly so so yeah I, I, I don't think he should just mimic or should have just mimicked what what uh, was being done here but what I do feel is that when you're paying attention to it you can hear the difference between the two. But if you're not paying attention to it, if you're not like strictly listening for that, they do mesh very well the songs. So they do. Track- but you could you could tell that that uh, that Matthias has a, a want to put it a thinner tone mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. his to his riffing specifically on the, when he's riffing on his guitar. Uh, but lead wise, I mean, obviously Michael has his own way of playing leads, but Matthias is a very good accomplished guitar player. I mean, that's definitely. Uh, a strong point of, of Matias. So. Oh, for sure. Well, track three is uh, Always Somewhere. And this again, or this is actually the first one with uh, Matias on lead. And it's a ballad. So it's a very different, uh, you know, take here. It's it, you're They're slowing things down. But what, what I really love about this song is that there's a, a really strong buildup towards the chorus. Um, you know, uh, one thing about Klaus is his voice is, I mean, his voice is amazing. Uh, so 
when when they do these things where they have a, a slow song, they always build up to these choruses that that uh, you know really focus focus on his vocals. So I like what's going on here. It's to me, it's not like the best ballad, but it really fits with the vibe of the album. This this song, uh, in my opinion, is a I wouldn't say a blatant attempt, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, although there are significant differences, so. But uh, this is the Scorpions' way of doing Freebird from Leonard Skinner. There is a definite Freebird vibe to me. That's what I got off of it. Um, not in terms of lyrics, because it's completely two different things, but just just the 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 way he's playing, you know, and and the way that the the guitars start in the ballady part in the beginning. So it, it's uh, it, that's that's the vibe that I got from it, um, and then the the lyrics to me are very similar in in terms of story, in terms of the relationship, the the same way that uh, Journeys Faithfully was. It's about a guy, I would figure say some sort of musician, some sort of guy who's away very often and is longing for his girlfriend. The same way that the I guess you would say Jonathan Cain was longing for his family when he wrote uh, Faithfully. So that's that's the, yeah, that's I mean, the way that's, I got it. Out that's of this almost song. exactly what I wrote down was that it was a, a, a theme uh, or the theme of the, the song was about someone longing for someone far away. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really funny. You wrote the almost exact same <laughs> thing I wrote. Yeah. So next up is Coast to Coast, which is an instrumental. It's the third out of five songs from Michael Schenker. Um, is it's a to me it's an okay instrumental uh i don't see anything that really stands out to me with this song i mean it, i i agree with you but here here's kind of my take on it so this instrumental it really fits the vibe of the album it continues that pace it continues that there's there's kind of this 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 vibe that i get when i listen to love drive and it's like it's like you're on the road you know, it it's it's taking you on a journey. It's kind of like got that gallop of the road. You know, you're hitting the like the breaks between each portion of the concrete. You know, it it, it you know when you're just driving on the road, you're hearing like the you know, and it it always reminds me of that kind of feeling, like you're on a road trip and you're trying to get somewhere and there's a goal. And this song fits that vibe completely. But what I also notice about it is that. There, there is a, there's definitely a distinction between what he does in this band and what, say, he does with UFO. So, Michael had some amazing contri- contributions to UFO, and he was really allowed to be in the forefront of that band. Whereas he was kind of suppressed when he, whenever he was in the Scorpions, because Scorpions was his brother's band. So. This is one of those those moments that I'm always left wanting more. Like I feel like there could have been more if they had allowed him to m- kind of more explore with the guitar and maybe do the solos that he's kind of known for writing these kind of things. It just there's always there's always kind of a suppressed feeling to the way he plays when he's in this band. And coast to coast, it's good, it's not great, and it just leaves me wanting more. I could I could see that I can see what you're talking about when it comes to the uh, the stifling of of his style because essentially I mean the Scorpions by this point had established themselves as a certain type of band even though 
this album is the point where they really like, kind of flipped the switch and became a, for what it's worth, an, an 80s metal band. It, it was definitely, you know, something where they were they were going to write a song within this particular structure and Michael had to fit in it. And if he didn't, you know, too bad type of thing. You know, and I think yeah, that's absolutely. part of the reason why Michael ended up leaving. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I think that's a big contributor to why he left. He needed more creative control. Right. And you were saying something about the, yeah, the formula of the Scorpions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have a formula. And I kind of address that later when we get to, to Blackout. I'll talk more about how I feel about that. But uh, for the time being, I, let's stay on this one. <laughs> no problem. Um, with Can't Get Enough, the next track. Uh, this is the second track led by Matthias. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty simple. Um, it shows this really great harmony playing between him and, and Rudolph. And I, it fits the pacing, again, very well. It's not a standout track, but it's a good one. Yeah, I, there wasn't a lot for me to say about the song. Um, it, it's, you know, it, you know lyric-wise, it's about how rock music turns you on and, and, and you know, there's, there's a sexuality to it. Um, it's a very consistent riff. So the song really is... is uh, what's the word I'm trying to... Consistence is a, is a weird way to put it. it it's almost very structured, and it's gonna, it just goes in its certain pace the whole way through. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, consistent, I think... It, yeah, it's a weird word to use, but it's accurate. Mm, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's two minutes and 30 seconds. It's a short song. So or thirty six seconds negligible, but <laughs> but you know it's it's there. You know it's it's not a bad song. It's not a good song. It's just it's kind of there. Exactly. Well, speaking of it, just being there, is anybody there? Or yeah, is there anybody there? Is the next track uh, track six another Matthias led track? It's different, very different. Because it has kind of a reggae beat to it. I, I got a whole lot to say about this song. <laughs> well, so, why don't you start then? Well, no, I, I don't want to interrupt. But in in this particular, you you brought it up uh, that it's it's got a reggae vibe to it. Okay, so I'm looking up the song today, and I look up the lyrics, and I just want to I want to see what the lyrics are all about on this song. I try to do that between before every podcast so I can hear so I can understand what the songs are about and there are a million red flags when it comes to this song about uh, I don't want to say that the Scorpions stole anything I don't want to accuse anybody of anything but this just seems out of left field for the Scorpions they've never done another song like it and at the time, if you listen to the words, and at the time, if you listen to how all the other songs were written, this is this is like, this is not their song. This is not their style. You want to talk about a formula? This has nothing to do with their formula whatsoever. Amazingly enough, it's one of the songs that they still play today. So I don't get it. Because here's the funny thing when I looked up the song. It did not have Rudy Schenker or Klaus Meine or Herman Rarebell as a songwriter on this particular version of the song that I found on the internet. It said it was a Scorpion song, same words, but it had six different songwriters. So I'm, I'm 
going to assume it was a mistake. Because yeah, because as far as I know, this is this is a Klaus Mina and Herman Rarebell written song mm-hmm. um, with Woody with, on music. Yeah. So, but I mean, if, when you listen to the song, okay, the one thing that I that I found extremely odd is there are big words on this album, you know, uh, excuse me, on this song. And when I say big words, I mean comparative to how Herman and Klaus wrote the other lyrics on all the other songs. They used the word pantomime. They use uh, interpretation. I mean, big words for them. It was really, really odd to me. This song, it stands out to me like a sore thumb. People love the song. It's a great song. I love the reggae song. I, I watched the videos that they had. They played a some sort of like um, uh, America's Top 40, but in German or in Germany. Uh, they played that, you know, and of, of course they were lip syncing to the track. You know, it could have been Tops of the Pops for all I know. But it's so weird. It doesn't fit their formula whatsoever. I mean, do you? No, I mean, it doesn't. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I like the track. I don't. It's not one of my my favorites, but it's one that I initially did not like because it was so different. But it grew on me over time, and I mean, it's I, Love Drive is one of those albums I can listen to from beginning to end and not skip a track. And this is, I mean, I, I feel like it. It's it's different, but there's still things about it that fit the vibe. I, I can see that because it's it's still uh, it's still a song about a relationship, so it, mm-hmm. it it fits that thing. But when you think about it, I mean, it's got words like vibrations, destination, uh, inclination, illusion. These are not words that that Klaus Meiner used very often, you know. And 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 maybe he does now, and maybe he did in later times. But I mean, when you think about all the other songs that him and Herman wrote lyrics for. I mean, it was it, to me, it was nothing close to anything that they had done before. And that, and I just found it so strange. And then to, like right now, I'm looking at it, it says songwriters. John Melvin Lee Archer, Douglas James Falconer, John Albert Howard, Robert, Davis, Robert David Miles, Mark Jeremy Seymour, Jeremy Stewart Smith, and Michael Bernard Waters. Is there anybody there? Lyrics, Universal Music Publishing Group, Warner Chapel Music Incorporated. So... What is that? What is that all about? I mean, to me, that's a mistake. Okay, I think it's a mistake because anywhere else I've looked, I've never seen anyone credited other than the three writers. Exactly, and 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 I looked it up too, and you know, even on the on the reissue, the fiftieth anniversary reissue, it has Herman, Klaus, and Rudy. I get it. I'm not trying to sit there, but it's just so weird that that's like that. And of course, one mistake on one website gets you know compounded on all the other websites that that borrow the information but in a way because the song is so different it almost makes sense to me that it's written by somebody else because hell you know why wouldn't they write another reggae vibe song you know in the 80s you know when when stuff like that was popular it it just doesn't make sense to me Hmm. it's weird but getting back to the song itself it's a cool song I mean, I can see why people like it. I can see why they still play it today. So it's, I don't know. I, I like I, I, what I liked about the song too is the way they they layered Klaus's vocals during the verses. Pretty cool. I like I like what they did. How they recorded the song. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's some experimentation here for sure, and and that's always something I can get behind is is bands trying something new and different, but still kind of staying within the lane and not making it so different that it doesn't fit on the album at all. It's just it's got enough ex- experimentation while still fitting in with the rest of the album. All right, so we get to track seven, which is probably my favorite track on the album which is the the self-titled track of uh, Love Drive. So Michael's back on the lead for the next two tracks, and it's back to that steady pacing, uh, the, or steady paced riffing that uh, fit the kind of drive vibe of the album that I mentioned earlier. The title track really does not disappoint. It even kind of has a bit of that gallop, that like a, like an Iron Maiden track. Yeah, it chugs along. Mm-hmm. Very nicely. By this point in the album, like I said earlier, I'm really starting to see why Michael is not satisfied in the Scorpions. There are moments where you hear his his soloing, and it's just kind of like brought back. You know, it's it's not allowed to explore. And as awesome as it is, I just love what he did with UFO, and it just wasn't going to happen here. No, it's... It's a shame, but at the same time, when you have someone like Michael, who is that free spirit, who who wasn't technically trained, and, and for the most part, he admits to, and, and although it may seem hard to believe, he doesn't listen to music because he doesn't want to be influenced by outside sources. So he doesn't yeah, I get listen. That. So it, it's pretty cool that he doesn't do that. Um, so... Knowing what he's done in UFO, I mean, the stuff he's done in UFO is just fantastic and amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And you could tell that he's slightly stifled because you know they're looking at short songs, radio-friendly songs, uh, nothing, you know, where you got you know, these extended two or three, four-minute solos, nothing like that. That could be stifling to someone who's as as free-willed when it comes to playing guitar as Michael. But you know, Michael. Played on Love Drive, and he did, you know, the best he could within the confines of the song. It is super cool song. I love this song. One of the cool things that I like about this song is that when it goes into the chorus, it, it comes out of the chorus and it goes back into the main riff. So you're thinking that the song is going to continue going into the next verse, but no, it goes back into the chorus again. So it repeats the chorus twice, but both times, you know, when it comes out, it, it, it comes into the main riff of the song. Obviously, the second time, it goes back into the verse, but it, it almost feels like it's going to go into the verse, and then it actually kicks back into the chorus uh, twice each time they do it. So that's pretty cool. It's a, it's a really cool songwriting trick because you really think you're listening to the song. And he's like, you know, love, drive. It goes into that, and then it kicks back into the chorus. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I like how they do that. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, so. there, it, there's some clever songwriting here. And like I said, to me, it's it's the highlight of the album. It's it's well-written. It's, uh, it's exciting. It kind of brings everything full circle. And to me, it's like the penultimate track, like before you get to the end. You know, there's always that last episode of a TV show that – kind of wraps things up but the episode before it's really like the conclusion you know the the thing you've been waiting for the whole time right all right so the final track on this one is holiday and 
to me, when you end an album on a soft song, like a soft ballad, it's I'm never a fan of that. Um, this is a good song, and I really can't see it fitting anywhere else. Like it, I don't see it benefiting by being moved up in the, the track list or anything like this. It does fit right here because, like I said, I, I can't really see anywhere else that it could go. But that being said, I, I'm not a fan of, of albums ending on a soft track for the most part. In, in this particular case, I think it works well. And the reason why I think it works well is because basically, to me, the whole album builds up to Love Drive. I mean, we think about it. You're, you're, you're on the seventh song. It's the title track at the end of an album. So to me, the whole album built up to Love, to, to love Drive. It's um, besides Another Piece of Meat, it's the fastest song on the album. Another Piece of Meat probably being slightly faster. But it's the Love Drive to me being the best song on the album. So then you come into this quiet, peaceful song in Holiday, and it I, I think it's a pretty cool way to transition and just basically fade out of the album. Some great guitar playing from Michael on it. So it's definitely... To me, fits well as it as as you built up to Love Drive, and then you just kind of, you know what? Let's let's chill out for a little bit with Holiday, and I think that I think it to me it it works. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you in that respect. It's like I mentioned before when I said on on Love Drive, it's it's that penultimate song. This is the the kind of wrapping up conclusion of the album, and but like I said, it's just it's never. Like when I listen to an album and an album lends, you know, ends on a soft song, typically it doesn't amp me up to keep listening to something, which I like a lot of times. I like for the album to end on something kind of exciting, and then I'm like, oh man, I want to listen to the next, like you know, almost like a a preview of the next episode of a TV show or something. Right. And and it's not a bad song. I like the song. It's good. And it fits the whole album. Like I said, I can listen to this thing from beginning to end and not skip anything, but yeah, it's, it's following up the best song on the album. So, yeah. So one of the things that I wrote about the song, um, is that, you know, it's a very sweet love song, love ballad. And right about the three minute mark, it kicks into a, a, a little bit more up tempo. It's not fast whatsoever. But, it, it, you know, the whole band jumps in. It's not just guitars and Klaus. So it picks up that pace, and it's pretty much for almost an exact minute. And then it returns back to the acoustic sweetness, is what I wrote down. Um, and then it fades out. with. I mean, it, that doesn't really fade out. It goes to the end of the song with basically Michael playing uh, a variety of different leads and solos to, to, to end the song. I think that's pretty cool. Because you you built up this this sl- soft slow thing, and then it, it it goes into the band, the whole band, and then he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna cut it right here," and then just basically solo out. I think that's pretty cool. I like the song a lot. As a little bit of an aside to the song, maybe some do and some don't. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who know, but the 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 phrase holiday to many people in the United States doesn't mean the same thing as it does to many people around the world. And in the States, holidays referred to a single day of recreation and fun and stuff like that. Whereas in Europe, holidays referred to basically what we would consider a vacation. It's an extended period of leisure, uh, usually away from home. So 
some people, you know, now the lyrics might make more sense to them when they read it, uh, as opposed to what, you know, what's, what's, what's holiday mean, you know? So that's, that's what it is. Cause you referred to, I'm going to go on holiday as, you know, instead of saying I'm going to go on vacation. So that's what, that, so that's what the song means for, for them. So just in case some people don't get it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm, I'm, familiar with that term but yeah i i guess i didn't think about other people you know in in the u.s not understanding that right there's some people who may not have heard the, the phrase the term however it may be i like the song it, it, it to me it ends fine but i can see what you're saying so what you got to do is when you're listening to a bunch of albums you got to put this one last <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, so you don't want to keep going <laughs> yeah okay when, uh, when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, it'll be the, the last one I play for the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So I guess why don't you take us into the, the next album, which is Blackout. All right. So Blackout, like I said earlier in the episode, came out in 1982. It was on Mercury Records as well, A Harvest in Europe, also produced by Dieter Dirks. This one was recorded in a couple different places. Uh, it was recorded in France. Uh, on Dirk's Mobile Studios, as well as uh, in back in West Germany in Dirk's Studios. A really cool little interesting side note about it, Don Dawkin did most of the demos for this album going into the recording because Klaus had blown out his throat and had vocal surgery uh, or vocal cord surgery. And so yeah, Don, they weren't weren't sure he was going to be able to record on this album because it was it was you know such a big deal for him to a singer to to have to have surgery on their throat. Exactly. So Don did the, the ba- uh, excuse me Don did the demos uh, for the band to record, and then um, ended up they didn't use any of that because Clouds ended up being fine. But they did have Don Dawkins do some background vocals because he does have a very similar pitch to to Klaus. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge Dawkins fan. Um, I've never really enjoyed his his style of singing um, as as a lead singer, but here on his background vocals, I think it fits really well. Yeah, for sure. So the album leads off with "Blackout," um, which is the title track. Dude, killer riff. I mean that that's a killer riff, especially to start out an album. So imagine, you know, the the loving you sunday morning started off love drive you know instead of a, another piece of meat but they went for the kill right on right off the bat with blackout um, yeah this is a much better opener it's it's got a quick pace it's got amazing guitar work what i really love is you listen to the riff and it's got this consistent riff but listen to what the lead guitar is doing during that riff he is going all over the place oh and yeah he's staying within the lane within the scale but he's going all over the place it's very intricate and very exciting it it's it's nice to see even though this is the second album after love drive it's nice to see that matthias has basically found a home uh he's found his niche within the band um mm-hmm. you know after after uh getting fired during during love drive in favor of of michael and then michael quitting in the middle of the tour and then begging Matthias, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they literally begged for Matthias to come back to the band, and Matthias basically held all the cards at that point and got himself a nice fat raise. <laughs> uh, probably, Rightfully probably. So. A, I mean, to be promised, you know, that you're going to be part of the band and say, "Oh well, now we're going in a different direction," and then for them to turn it around, I'm amazed he went back. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I believe 
uh, partnership came with with that uh, with that you know rejoining the band. But yeah, he he since since that time and he, he basically put that all behind him and he's the main guitar player, uh, him and Rudy, and he you can see he shines he shines all over this album. I mean it's awesome, and that the 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 guitar playing and the leads that he runs all over this song is just bar none, hands down, great great stuff, and the song itself. Now my, now my interpretation of the song is this song is about an all night bender. You know, excessive drinking and not figuring out where the hell the guy is. And yeah, I mean that's exactly what it's about. right. And uh, and the fr- I watched an interview with uh, Herman Rarebell, and he talked exactly about that. <laughs> probably it's probably his excessive drinking. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and the the song you know chaotic, you know, but it's still really really cool. I I, I one of my favorite songs. Oh, for sure. Uh, next song, can't live without you. Another cool riff from Rudy. I, I like the the song. There's a, there's a repetitiveness about it, but at the same time, it, it's it's cool because the riff is can't live without you. I mean, if you it's it's almost like when you, when you think about how uh, Yankee Rose from David Lee Roth starts with Steve Vai talking to him and David answering back. Can't live without you. The riff you, you hear it. It says can't live without you. I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's a super repetitive song, uh, but it's a catchy tune. It doesn't get annoying. That's that's there's a there's a border there. You know, there there's a there's a moment when songs can get so annoying because they're so repetitive. But there's something about this. And I think it's it's that Klaus has such an amazing voice and it's really focusing on that. It's oh, yeah. really, you know, pushing his powerful voice to the front. And I think that's why it doesn't get to that, you know, annoying factor even though it's repetitive. Right. Well, you know, when you go when you Take it back to uh, "Can't Get Enough," you know, on on Love Drive, where that's consistent and repetitive. This one is just better; it's catchier, and so that's why it doesn't seem as annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So now we go up to song number three, which uh, is "No One Like You," and that song is downright awesome. It is everything about it. You know, it has a there's an up tempo part about it. There's a, a slow you know, moody vibe to it, and then it just snaps and, and, and comes comes back up to the 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 up mid tempo up pace that it has. Super cool lead guitar playing on it is outrageously good. Yeah, I I think this is possibly the most iconic opening to a Scorpion song. They're what they're really good about, especially as they built things up with Matthias in the band was they're so good at transitioning from like a dreamy tone of the song, you know, like uh, it's, it's almost like this, this lustful story. And then it builds to this epic chorus, mm-hmm. you know, there's this awesome transition there. And uh, th- this, to me, this song is the band at their best. Absolutely. And when you're, when you're saying that formula that they, uh, you're, you're talking about going in this dreamy in, you know, verse or, or intro or whatever it is, and then go, building up to this, you know, awesome chorus, Rocky like a hurricane. It's the same thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not the same song by any means, but it's, it's the same formula and it, it yeah. works. I mean, you can't deny it. It works. And I think between the two, I like this song better than Rocky like a hurricane. I would say so too. You know, but there's there's something that's the the thing about this too is it's also very raw. You know, the production of it is a little drier than say what's what happened. You know, on on uh, Love at First Thing. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, Love at First Sing is very polished. Where that's why I like you know the, the comparison between Love Drive and this album because they're very, both very raw, both very in your face to some degree. And this there's nothing that's more in your face than No One Like You. Oh yeah. And the, and the lead work. I mean, you come right off the bat when the, the song starts, it goes straight into a lead. I mean, that, that's it's like almost unheard of to some degree. But they've done it before, which is what is their formula. And that's what's cool about the Scorpions. Yeah, it, it kind of kicks you in the face and then takes you to this, you know, softer tone, which it, it, it's like a it's like storytelling, you know, start the movie off with this big, ex, you know, exposition explosion and then and then take you into the story like there there is something about their story right or their storytelling within their music that that matches with like i keep referencing television and and uh movies i always get this feeling you know like they they have a storytelling approach here in the way they write music absolutely they could be, you know, a lot of people are just going to dismiss the Scorpions as, you know, people writing songs about, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll. But they're a proven commodity. And they've proven over and over again that they are a long-lasting band. And they're still around to this day. And there's a reason why. The formula works. And you can't take that away from them. There's nothing you can deny them about when it comes to that. And, you know... People can sit there and say whatever they want to say about them, but the the bottom line is, is that they wrote good songs, and they they appealed to the masses. So, the hard rock masses. All right. Well, so that takes us to uh, track four. You give me all I need. So, what I what I wrote about this song? So I wrote I, I wrote my notes, and. This is what <laughs> I laugh at what I wrote. This is a relationship song with the guy being a sucker and wanting his girl back, even though she's a hoe and he's hanging out with all sorts of other guys. <laughs> uh, it's got a catchy chorus, that's for sure, and it's definitely more memorable than the verses. It does get a little bit repetitive, um, but the the guitar work again is is you know top notch. Yeah, I think the the vocal harmony is really what what. stands out to me here um and i don't know if it's just don docking on on the background vocals or other members of the band but uh it's it's really well done in this song and it's complemented with the riffing it it, it goes hand in hand so it's it's a it's a well-written song Uh, i think it's kind of an understated thing that's going on here because it's not one of the songs that really stands out but at the same time, if you give it a few listens and really focus on what's going on between the vocals and and the uh, instruments, it's it's well done. Definitely. All right, and, so that, and it has a simple but powerful chorus too. Is what I like about it. Yeah, like I said, the the, the it's a very catchy chorus, and definitely more memorable than the, than the verses. Which you know, most of the times that's what you want from a song because you yep. know how often does everyone remember the songs. The, the the worst of verses, unless you're like really a diehard, you know. Mm-hmm. But but choruses, you remember the chorus and you're going to be singing along to it, you know. Yeah. So, next up uh, is the song now, and that is one of those up tempo rockers. It's about partying and having a good time, you know. It's a really cool riff, very simple song. But what I like about it is the unique way that they present the chorus 
which is the word now. Um, but Klaus Meiner doesn't just say now. It, it's almost a, almost scatting his way into the word now. And that's pretty cool. Uh, and then, you know, it goes into, you know, ripping guitar solos and back to the, the, core, the verse and then into that. It's not even a bridge. You, you can't call it a bridge. It's just he goes into the word now and just kind of, you know, staccatos his way through it. Yeah. I mean, it's a short, fast-paced song. What I like about this and the next track are that they are a bit heavier than what, what the rest of the album is as far as the, the drums influence on the song. And I would say these are as metal as what some of the bands that I guess would be more traditionally referred to as metal were putting out. Mm-hmm. That brings us to Dynamite. And I really like this song. This is one of the, the coolest songs on the album. It's, it's a great riff. Uh, there's some really good guitar work on this song, and the thing I like most about the song is that there's like during the verses there's no instrumentation other than the drums, and then mm-hmm. the whole band comes in at the chorus and then the guitar solo, uh, and you know and that and that's the way it repeats. I mean that that's what I, I like a lot about that song. You know you you just listening to Klaus and the drummer Klaus and Herman together, and then when when the chorus comes it's the whole band. You know, that that's pretty cool. And then, of course, Matias with ripping guitar solos, like always. I think what what really highlights that this era of the band is this this song is a great example, is that everybody in the band gets gets pushed to the front at some point and they get they get the focus, which is awesome because all of them are great musicians. So you're getting so, you're getting something from everybody. And this is one of those songs like it's a it's a real headbanger and it's it's getting, you know, it, the spotlights being placed on every member of the band. And I got to ask you this one because you're a fan. Could you not see this as the AEW Dynamite theme song? <laughs> that would be cool. I think it'd be fantastic. I, I think if, if you if they could change up the lyrics and like do a whole new version of it, but in the same vein, that would be cool. That would oh, be yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, now I, I have something interesting to say about the next track, Arizona. And I don't know if you feel the same way. To me, you know, you've seen that meme where it's like a kid will say, you know, kid, mom, can you buy me a new PlayStation? And they're like, we already have a PlayStation at home. And then it says, like, it's got a picture of a of an Atari 2600 and it'll say PlayStation at home. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Arizona is like that with Rocky Like a Hurricane. Arizona's like the off-brand Rocky Like a Hurricane. Really? Yeah, it even it listen to the two songs together and compare the intro to both and you'll you you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, there are I, some really I understand similarities. I understand what you're saying. And here's the funny thing because when I heard the intro today, the first thing I thought of was the song Louie Louie from the Kingsman. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, so yeah, so I can see where you're coming from with the with the with the Rocky like a hurricane. You know, yeah, I could totally see that. But I, I, the vibe I got was Louie Louie because the song itself is an old style blues rock and roll song. And yeah, there's definitely some similarities. So, so I, that's what I got out of it. I mean, it doesn't, it's not the same song as Louie Louie by any means, but you know you only got so many chords in blues, you know, and you only, mm-hmm. and, and the structure of a, of a blues rock song is, is the same. Yeah. You know, left and right. I mean, 
you can write an entire career of all these same songs, but they're all going to be different because it's just the way you, you know, the way you structure your chords in between or you, the licks that you write. And then you, 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 you know, hit the high note, the higher note and go into, you know, into the refrain or into your chorus, you know, it changes it, but the structure is exactly the same, you know? So this song, that's what I got out of it, Louis Louis, but I could totally understand what you're saying when you, when you say it's, it's like a, a, a an off brand, cheap version of Rocky, like a hurricane. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way or anything like that, because I do like the song. Oh, it's a fun um, song. It's danceable. Yeah. It's a pretty cool song in general. What, what I really mean is, it is that it almost feels like they took this song. They were like, we can take it up to 11 with Rocky Lecter. <laughs> they took it up to 11. All right. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So we get to China white. Now the, the eighth song in the album, this song to me doesn't fit the album. Very similar to how um, the reggae song didn't fit love drive to me. In my opinion, this song, China White, is this slow, sludgy song that to me doesn't fit with the vibe of the rest of the album. The rest of the album is so upbeat, so up-tempo, guitar licks everywhere, guitar solos everywhere, and then you come to China White, and this is just slow sludge. Not a bad song, but it, it almost doesn't fit to me. So it's a very different song for the Scorpions from based on, on the album. You know, almost, I mean, they, they're talking about evil. I mean, it, this is a, a make love, not war kind of song. You know, they, they use the word evil in the song, and it's just kind of weird because everything else that the Scorpions write about is always, you know, making love, going out, having a party, drinking, and all this other good stuff. And then you get this song, which is the subject matter changes completely. Yeah, there, to me, there's there's a similarity between a, a song like this and something like Kashmir, where there's this repeating build that never seems to go anywhere it's it's not a bad thing it's just it it's got this build-up that i i always want to go like to the next level but they stick to a riff and they don't ever really go outside of that which is a, a hallmark of of what we've we've talked about with scorpions mm-hmm. is that they they find their their lane and they stay there and they they usually depend kind of like black sabbath did where they find a riff and that's the focus of the song and that's what happens here but i'm left wanting more like i want it to get to this like this moment you know that that the pinnacle of the song and it never gets there it just kind of stays like cycling back through the riff right and to the contrary when you when you mentioned cashmere the funny thing about cashmere yes it plods its way through the whole song but Oddly enough, the the key change is the chorus to the song in Kashmir. You never mm-hmm. they don't they don't sing anything during it, but the key change is what makes it more interesting than just plodding away through. Because if it went the whole song, it it would definitely be boring. But because it goes into that, you know, it goes into that higher pitch, that's what makes the song interesting, and that's the chorus of the song, even though there's no singing, which is yeah. which is unique, in and of itself. All right, so the last song in the album is When the Smoke is Going Down. And it is a another love song ballad type in the same vein as Holiday. Um, I don't think it's as anywhere near as catchy as Holiday and then it, probably not even as sappy as Holiday. 
Uh, so it's not as good a song as Holiday is. So it's a, I, kind I, of a disappointment. I mean, where Holiday is such a good song to end Love Drive, and they do the same thing to end with this slow ballad here, it's not as good. Yeah, I I like the song, though, and I, I really, what I focus on when I listen to this song is just how strong Klaus's vocals are and how well sung it is. I mean, he, he has... A really a great voice he has a clarity to the way he sings and that's that's on display here that's what's great about this song but again this is like i mentioned in the last one this is ending the album with a slow song i honestly feel like this could have benefited from being somewhere else in the album i don't really know where but yeah, it's. I don't think it's as as strong, and it doesn't fit, fit the vibe. I think these last two tracks, like you said, just don't really fit the vibe of the rest of the album. They're good songs, but they're just kind of oddly placed. They're just tacked on to the end. This song, this song would have benefited coming after "No One Like You" more so than probably being at the end. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's a good song. I mean, don't get me wrong, but. Holiday is just such a better song, you know? And, of course, Michael's playing on it, so it, it kind of has that little bit better thing, better vibe to it. But, yes, Klaus Mina's vocals are absolutely amazing. The guy is the consummate vocalist, consummate singer. And he has that pitch that really no one else can hit. And that's what's really cool about his voice because he's so cre- clear when he sings He's, he's he's always spot on, and it, he's an amazing singer. Absolutely. I mean, the band themselves, I mean, in general, Rudy's a great rhythm guitar player. Matias, you know, can hold his own with any lead guitar player out there. Um, you know, and Herman was as steady as it got. Uh, you know, Francis had some great bass lines. I mean, his bass stands out a lot during Love Drive, the production of that. His bass stands out a ton on Love Drive. You know, and, and it's unfortunate that he was he ended up leaving the band, uh, and then same thing with Herman. Herman was one of the fir- the first person to leave the classic lineup, but you know now now they got one of the best drummers in the business when it comes to uh, uh, Mickey D. So that's pretty oh, cool. Absolutely, Mickey D's amazing. And now you said it's unfortunate that Francis left the band. He did get fired, and there are some kind of questionable circumstances to why that happened. Yeah, and I I didn't necessarily want to get into it because this is a good happy show. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean that that wraps it up to me. We've got to make a decision. What you think? What I think? I'm going to go ahead and go first when it comes comes to what I think. I am going to say that Blackout, in my opinion, is the better album. It's overall more better songs front to end. It does kind of end a little bit on a, on a sour note as far as the consistency of the album. But overall, when you got seven of nine songs that are solid, um, I'm going with Blackout. Well, I, again, am at odds with you, and I'm going with Love Drive. <laughs> yeah. The reason being is Love Drive has a consistent tone throughout the whole album. And I feel like from beginning to end, it's one art piece. It feels like it, it just doesn't stop. It doesn't, it, you know, doesn't vary here or there. Whereas 
Blackout has some amazing songs, and and No One Like You is better than anything on on Love Drive, to be honest. But as a whole album, I I have to pick Love Drive because it's one piece. It's one thing, and that's one thing I always look for when I listen to albums is, is it something that it doesn't take me out of the moment? I feel from beginning to end like I'm listening to a, a journey, and that's what I feel when I listen to Love Drive. Fair enough. We're on opposite ends of the table one more time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us now to our big four Scorpion songs. So we'll see how close we are on this uh, on these on these four songs. I think I went first last week, so I think it's your turn. All right. Well, I'll start with number four, Love Drive. Love Drive, uh, as we commented above. Um, it's it's a really well written song. What I love about it is it has that 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 chuggy uh, gallop that I always associate with Iron Maiden, and maybe that's what kind of drives me to like this song is that it it has gives me you know that kind of insight into you know I guess what appeals to me in music. It, you know, any time that that Michael Schenker was in the band and he's he's putting out his content. And like I said earlier, this is kind of one of the songs that he gets to explore a little more than some of the others. And uh, I think this is just, it's one of those songs that really shows what he could do and what he was going to do in the future. So I picked it as number four. Number three is No One Like You. Uh, we mentioned it's it's one of the best intros to a song ever. I mean, it kicks you in the ass and then... And then kind of starts a story from there. You know, you, you've you already gotten this awesome solo. It's just right there in your face. You go into a slow, you know, kind of dreamy phase. And then it, it crescendos once again. I mean, it's awesome song. I kind of had a, had a debate back and forth with myself between my number two and my number three. And uh, number two is The Zoo. It's it's a repetitive song, but it's it's just one of those one that sticks in my mind, and it has that you know that kind of uh, consistent beat to it, and it it you know it crescendos going up and down. It has its peaks and valleys, and it's one of those songs that always sticks out to me. And it's in one thing I can tell, like I said earlier, is that if a song is repetitive but you don't get tired of it, you know that's a good song. And the zoo is definitely one of those. And my number one is the song that got me into the Scorpions, uh, and that's Big City Nights. That was the the first song I heard by the band, and uh, it's it's just one of those that, when that happens, when that's the song that brought you into the fold, sometimes it's the one that sticks with you the most. And this song is just kick ass. I I love the 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 lyrics. I love the the kind of the imagery that comes along with it. I just it's my number one. There you go. I uh, I like your list because it's very similar to mine. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's a there's a lot of similarities, just a different order, except for the no- song number four. I also went with Love Drive for song number four. I actually changed it um, while we were talking tonight um i had something i had something else but it really was one of those things where i didn't want to put love drive just because 
we were just talking about it and I'm like, nah, you know what? This song rolls. <laughs> this is cool. So <laughs> so number four was Love Drive for me. Number three for me, uh, also off the same album, Holiday. It, it's a great song. You know, not very often am I going to sit here and pick a, a ballad as, as, as one of my top four songs. But here's the thing. Scorpions makes or, or writes some really good ballads. Holiday, I'm Still Loving You. Send me an angel. Well, I mean, angel's not as slow, but um, winds of change. I mean, winds of change itself. I mean, it was worldwide smash. Well, so, I love winds of change. It's it's hard for me not to put it on my my top four, but I really had to think about what they truly were. And I mean, it's in maybe number five. You, are you saying you have an honorable mention? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> that was my holiday was my number three. My number two was Big City Nights for the same reasons you said. It's, it's a cool song. It's it's one of these songs that uh, it just it, it gets you feeling good and it pumps you up. It's just such a good vibe to the song. I, I love the chorus. It's so catchy. Um, it, it's absolutely one of my favorite Scorpion songs. But number one is hands down my favorite Scorpion song, and that is No One Like You. Probably the first Scorpion song I ever heard. Definitely the first video I ever saw from them. Uh, that might have a lot to do with why I like that song so much, but it is such a cool song. And then, you know, to find out years later that the cover was not really Rudolph Schenker. You know, <laughs> it, it was actually, yeah, it was, it was it a was self-portrait the of the, the art, artist. Yeah. yeah. So, but he looks exactly like Rudy. You, you know, as a Scorpion fan, you, you, you thought it was Rudy on the cover. So, No One Like You is such an awesome, awesome song. Everything about it, you know, from the, the, the wild intro to the, to the slowing down to virtually almost a stop and then just coming in with the quiet, dreamy thing, like you said, and then to come kick it back into gear. Love that song. That's my number one. So, tell them what we're going to talk about next week. Next week on episode 34, prepare to face the wrath of the Norsemen. It'll be for victory or death as Kenneth goes under siege when we debate Amana Marth's Surtur Rising against Deceiver of the Gods. You won't have to be slaves to fear. We'll have the next episode out on Friday as always. So make sure you tune in so you can live without regrets and always turn it up to 11. See ya. Thank you.